seven pounds. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. Joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Mung and Ian. Ian, it's just a normal and Mung, it's just a normal Tuesday, right? Like, absolutely nothing happened at all. I woke up, went to the gym. Next thing you know, boom, notifications everywhere. What a crazy day in the NFL. You know, what do you guys have going on right now? And I'm like, I'm so stoked to get our guest on here. You know, he's been a friend of the show. But what do you guys have going on before we do that? Well, I'm doing uh, like a, a value thread every Friday. Um, I'm kind of, uh, I'm going through some family health things right now, so I'm kind of touch and go with that, but I'm going to definitely try to get uh, one out this Friday. Um, and, and we'll, and you can find me at Super Skull Fan on Twitter. Um, and I think the, you know, the uh, franchise tag deadline drove a lot of this. That we saw yeah. today. Yeah, there was there was a lot of news, and we're gonna jump into it. Mung, I know I saw your you got your dynasty rankings out there now. Yeah, I mean you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I have updated Dynasty rankings, one quarterback and superflex as of a couple weeks ago, but today's events are definitely gonna shake some of those up. So I'll, I'll be updating those pretty soon. Uh, and then had an article just out today with some running backs that I would be selling before free agency. I love it. I love it. Guys, we have on a special guest today. You know, this is definitely not his first time on here, not his second time on here. Man, he has blown up in the industries. Now over there at Football Guys with the, the Launch Pass podcast. Welcome to the show, Dave Kluge. How you doing, brother? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me back on. Always have a good time when I join the Smash Accept pod, so happy to be here. Uh, yeah, you already called it out. Uh, the Launchpad is now on the Football Guys Network. You can find that on YouTube.com slash Football Guys. Uh, we've also got the Mailbag Show over there that I do with Troy King and Victoria Geary. Uh, that's on Wednesday nights, and we are actually firing that up again next week after taking a little three-month hiatus. So, you know, it's a, it's a crazy season, and around Christmas time, pump the brakes a little bit, but... Uh, now, you know, with, with free agency approaching and, and the draft just about a month and a half away, it is all gears go and we are gearing up for the 2022 season again. And you're foreshadowing a little bit for us because Troy King's actually our next guest too. So I was like super excited. Both you guys back to back. I love that show. You know, and I, I watched you on on interview some awesome guys like the guy from NFL Red Zone. That was one of the coolest experiences. You, my friend, have absolutely blown up over the past year. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the experience, how awesome it's been for you, and just the transition from moving to, you know, like we, we talked before where you came on here the first time and you were like, eh, this is this is a pretty big podcast. Now you're absolutely huge doing things in the industry and, and being up there with some of the best there is. Yeah, you know, I, I'd be lying if I say that or said that I didn't get a little bit lucky, and, and that's really what it comes down to is just kind of working hard and waiting for the opportunity to uh, hit and, you know, for whatever reason, Joe Bryan and I, we really connected, and he uh, he liked what he saw and, and gave me an opportunity, and, and I, I, I made the most of it. But, you know, it's just been a lot of fun just working hard, keeping my face out there, trying to create as much content as possible, network and build some relationships with people in the industry. It has been a, a wild ride, but um, when I got into this industry, I had a short list of websites that I wanted to work for, and Football Guys was atop that list. So the fact that I get to work there now with, with Joe and Sig and Waldman and all those great, great guys is just an amazing opportunity. And I say it all the time, just the mentorship and, and, and the networking that I get from those guys is completely invaluable. So I'm, I feel very blessed to be over at Football Guys. We're doing big things right now. Yeah, we're blessed to have you on the show today because we're excited to, to really talk about some of this news, right? I mean, the first thing first thing that dropped today was Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, we're Aaron Rodgers right now in Smash Except four startup just went at 406 you know I mean, everybody's like will he won't here you know we, we get into that same off-season topic of what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers right he's requesting potentially a trade talking maybe he might not come back he ultimately gets a four-year 200 million dollar deal which is insane that's crazy money the other flip side of that is you got to almost believe Devontae Adams franchise tag is right around the corner these two guys were a big sell in dynasty you know, for a lot of people, you know, they were saying Devontae Adams, Mung, you and I have talked about it a lot. You've been on the Cooper Cup over Devontae Adams because of the situation. Guys, let's jump into this topic a little bit. I mean, Aaron Rodgers now, 
We're looking at four years. Aaron Rodgers coming off a fantastic MVP season. He should not be discounted when we're talking super flex and we're talking about our quarterbacks. And Devontae Adams. Now, Dave, I know you do a lot more with, with redraft. In Dynasty, you know, I, I have him as wide receiver six. Most people have him outside or approaching, leaving that top 10 status from a guy like Devontae Adams. Talk to me a little bit about two, the, these two guys and, and what this means. Yeah, you know, I'm not somebody that really likes going after a 29-year-old wide receiver in a startup. You know, you might get a couple good seasons out of them, but realistically, these guys are only going to depreciate in value. There's nowhere they can go but up from here. So um, I actually have gotten a lot more into Dynasty. I, I think I'm in about a dozen leagues now and did a few startups already this offseason. And if I'm at that point in the board where I know that people are starting to eyeball Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, I'll gladly try to trade back from that spot. And then, you know, get somebody like uh, Jalen Waddell or, or somebody like that that I think has yeah. the chance to appreciate in value. I just don't really want to invest any startup picks in a 29-year-old receiver. So um, I've got them outside of my wide receiver ones. I, I, I completely understand Ooh. why somebody would have them yeah. as wide receiver five, six, or seven or something like that. But just the way that I play the game, I try to go after youth and assets that I expect to appreciate in value. Right. And I mean, this time of year, that's how I treat my startups is like – if. Waddle's going in that same round, range in that third round. But when we're talking about when you're in a win-now mode, I mean, there are very few wide receivers that are going to put up the numbers like Devontae Adams and, and, and those type of things. So I get that completely because the way I treat it is I want to take assets, and Ian and I just did smash except three together. We're both in the, in the firm camp of taking assets that are going to appreciate. You know, he's getting guys that – all are going to excel in value and do those kind of things. Now, what, what I'd say is it's usually later in the draft that I'm more than happy to take on those veterans, you know, Keenan Allen and, and mm -hmm. some of those guys that you can get for a little bit later, which obviously aren't going to put up near the production that you're getting from Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup, but they're around the same age. You know, they're going to put up 80% of the production and you can get them five or six rounds later. So those are usually when I start looking at the veterans is in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Or like the Adam Thielens of the world too. I feel like that. That's you know you're gonna exactly. you're gonna get that. And 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 Dad, I just want to mention. Uh, I don't know. It was easy to miss in all the news today, but Aaron Rodgers himself tweeted out that the numbers aren't right. So so well, like I'm sure that's probably pretty close to be honest. But like I I just want to be wary of actually saying those numbers are accurate. Hey. We have Aaron Rodgers for another year, and that's what I, I'm excited about, <laughs> right? So everybody, I mean, you know, Dave, you're you're in close to the Denver area, and it, it, Jerry Judy had such a roller coaster today, right? <laughs> Every all the Denver fans had such a roller coaster. They're like, "Yo, we're gonna get Rodgers, right?" And wait, Allison Rodgers resigns, and you could just feel Jerry Judy even put out like a you know a, a frown face on Twitter. That was it. Less than what two hours later, Russell Wilson gets traded. To the Broncos. You don't. You just don't see this kind of thing. I mean, we're looking at Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two firsts, two seconds. Talk to me a little bit about the deal, guys, and then let's. we'll start with you, Monk. Talk to me a little bit about the deal, and what does this mean for our Denver offensive players? I mean, there's some guys that we have really wanted to see get a quarterback, right? We have wanted to see Sutton. We've wanted to see Judy. We've wanted to see what, what Javante Williams can do, you know, this season. Talk to me about those guys. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, for anybody watching live, you can see I have an autographed Cortland Sutton jersey uh, just behind me. So On the floor I'm still. A, uh, <laughs> I'm a very, very big Sutton fan. And uh, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, I was constructing a tweet, and I ended up deleting it. But uh, at the risk of it sounding like lazy analysis, I think Sutton and Judy compare very similarly to Metcalf and Lockett. Yeah. Um, you know, their strengths, their traits, their attributes all match up pretty well. You have Sutton, more of that downfield threat in the 50-50 ball. Um, and then you have Judy, who can work underneath, great route runner. Um, if he establishes that rapport with Wilson, we could see those kind of touchdown numbers we saw from Lockett. So I, I love it for absolutely both of them. Uh, I know it was a roller coaster ride for Noah Fant, too, who maybe thought for a moment that he was going to play with Russell Wilson, but ends up uh, playing potentially with Drew Locke yet again in Seattle. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely love it for both Denver wide receivers. And I don't think the, the you know, the dynasty or redraft stock can get, get much higher for Javante Williams. So I, I don't know that this affects him all that much, but it certainly helps, you know, that the offense is hopefully more efficient than what we saw last year. Well, and, Dave, well, Mom, I saw you, I saw you tweet out there. Is, uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
I, I'm glad that you hold yourself to a high level of integrity because I took the lazy analysis and I tweeted it out that how similar DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are to Cortland Sutton and Jerry <laughs> Judy. It really just makes too much sense. I mean, I don't know how you can't not make that comp. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very reasonable comparison to make. I did not yeah, I mean, you, you have a stab at you, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no I, I almost did all. it too. Because if you look I'm at sure it, everyone was thinking it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Wilson support Metcalf was wide receiver 10, Lockett last year, you know, in 11. What kind of ceiling do we think you could see between these two players? I mean, Sutton, is that a guy that we could see approach wide receiver one status? A friend of mine messaged me and he said someone just offered him Chris Godwin straight in Dynasty. I said, go break your finger hitting that smash accept button. Like, <laughs> there is no way you don't take Chris Godwin in this hype. The other thing I'm seeing and, and, and like, I saw a poll out there that said Albert O versus Noah Fant. Now that they're in the situation, what do you want in Dynasty? It was 80-20 over 200 votes. Like 80% Albert Albert O. O. Yes, that's the part that's insane, right? So this is a time where in Dynasty we can cash out on some things, but we got to talk it over. I mean, are we believing in this? Is is Cortland Sutton right now was you could have had for a a second. There's no way you're going to get him for less than a first now, Dave. So yeah, I mean, I'm just happy that I already... I, I wanted to yeah. say, is it crazy to take Sutton over Godwin? Because I, I think I'm leaning that way. Woo! Really? Say, I mean, I, I just can't. I mean, I know we got... Chris Godwin is a guy we're looking at two years ago. He was wide receiver two. You know, he's always... He's a constant wide receiver one. I know there... there did he did he Who's get the franchise tag? Who's yeah, his but, quarterback? He got I mean, it. Yep, he got the tag. I, mean, I have to believe they bring somebody in. From and then at the same time, is he even ready to start the year coming off of the ACL? You know, I, I know that modern medicine makes the ACL tears less risky coming back, but still, I think, you know, I'm going to work on my updated dynasty rankings after all the news today, but I, it would not shock me if Sutton ends up higher than Chris Godwin right now. I mean, right now, with the uncertainty in uh, the Tampa Bay quarterback room, I think you can make an argument for that. But there's just so much chaos that still is going to happen throughout this offseason. So you make that move right now, but then what happens when Deshaun Watson or, you know, a, a big name like that signs in Tampa Bay? Then you got to move it back up. I think if you're looking at just pure talent, I think that you got to give the nod to Chris Godwin. But if you're looking at the situation right now as is, I can understand Sutton over Godwin. I just don't know if I'm ready to make that swap in Dynasty yet. And they're still yes. both so young that that situation can change very quickly, even like mid-season or something, even if it doesn't happen right now. So, yeah, I'm with I'm with Dave here. I think you go for the superior pure talent if you can. Um, but, yeah, the situation definitely improved greatly for everyone in Denver. But so, your yeah, original I'm question, like, uh... you know, you were asking the ceiling. I, I think that Sutton can be a wide receiver one, realistically. I mean, we like you said, we've seen uh, Russell Wilson support Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both as fringe wide receiver one, wide receiver twos, there's no reason that we shouldn't slot Sutton and Judy in for that same type of workload. There's a little bit of extra depth with Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler and Albert O and some of those other guys, Mm -hmm. but I still think that the offense is going to run through Judy and Sutton. And I think both of those guys should be drafted as top 15 wide receivers right now. Yeah, and, and the thing with Judy that I saw, I saw another poll guy that listens to the show. He put it out there. He's like, "Dad, what are you what are you giving up to get Judy?" And and now is not the time to buy Judy because I'm saying I saw two polls. The one had 107, the other had 105. Both of them heavily favored in the in the Judy side. You know, at this point where earlier in the week we could have been there. So Jerry Judy's a guy coming out of Alabama who I thought was going to absolutely you know dominate with his route running abilities and be able to get open right at the line has had terrible quarterback play so we're overall we all sound super excited about Denver Ian I know you were talking about you know Javante Williams you know and that's the guy that everybody on Twitter it's their darling right he's someone who's you know top three top two three when it comes to dynasty running backs you think this is actually even going to improve his stock some more oh absolutely I think that you know in people's mind whether this comes to fruition um, but I definitely think in a lot of people's mind, this is going to ins- in- improve Javante's stock. Um, and when you already had him at what running back two or three in dynasty, how does you're not going to put him above Jonathan Taylor, but like that, that solidifies him. I feel like as that RB two in, in, in dynasty right now, um, as far as value overall, whether that comes to fruition or not, obviously is a totally different story. Uh, but what I actually find more interesting right now is the value of all the Seahawks of the DK Metcalfs. 
because the Dave Klugies of the world are all going, go buy DK Metcalf. He's you can get him for one ten or something, you know, like which I think is nuts. You can't um, because uh, no joke. I think because all these analysis on Twitter are saying go buy DK Metcalf because his value's lower. It's almost pushing his value up, ironically. Like, I just had someone, when I inquired today, right after this happened, someone asked for 102 J.K. Dobbins and thought he needed a little bit more than that. And I was like, what? (laughs) No, no, the value is definitely not going up, but it's definitely a time. I think it's... I, I think people wait start like to, a week to panic like, a little bit. If you're gonna go for DK Metcalf, maybe wait a week because I think a lot of people are going out there and being like, "Buy DK Metcalf right now." And when they have like that bidding war, I think people do think, "Oh, maybe let's see what I can get. Maybe that value is actually more than I think it was. Maybe I thought it was yesterday, so I'll have that bidding war." Wait a week, take a step back. No one's actually going to accept DK Metcalf for 102 and JK Dobbins. No one's. So the the DK Metcalf owner will maybe take a step back in a week or two, and that's when you go after him. See, I think it, it comes down to when we talk about it all the time, it's know your league mates, right? I mean, we all have that guy that's in your league that overreacts to it. We're talking about people overreacting to overpay right now for Jerry Judy. There is that guy in one of those leagues who gets that news who does sell DK Metcalf. So, I mean, you know, that is actionable analysis. And does that mean it works in your league? Not necessarily, you know, and every league is completely different when it comes to those things. When we talked about dynasty trades and sometimes it's a matter of like starting the negotiation out, like say, hey, I'm looking for a wide receiver for that guy. And he might say he's trying to move Metcalf. You know, sometimes we jump at it and all of a sudden the news hits and you run to him and you say, hey, what do you want for, you know, I want to make an offer for Metcalf. Then that guy starts to get a little bit of red flag. Like, why do so many people want to move that route? Obviously, I think going into this year, I mean, Dave, what do we think of Metcalf and now Fant? I mean, Fant was a guy who I love in Dynasty. I mean, I have him as my tight end 6-7 range. The talent is phenomenal. Russell Wilson wasn't a guy, you know, I, at first uh, Ian texted me. I thought he was going to be, you know, all right, Russell Wilson's going to be up. Russell Wilson hasn't been a guy who's really targeted the tight ends that heavy. Now we go, and he still has Drew Locke for now. Maybe Geno, Geno Smith. We don't know what the situation is. But let's talk a little bit about Metcalf, about Fant. Lockett and Dynasty is kind of getting up there in age. But let's talk about those two guys a little bit, Dave. Yeah, what, one thing I want to point out, just a quick misconception, is that Russell Wilson doesn't target his tight ends. He actually does. The problem with tight ends over the last few years in Se- Seattle has been their health. I mean, no, mm-hmm. we, we haven't had anybody since Jimmy Graham in 2014 play a full season at tight end. It's, you think about it, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, Luke Wilson, these guys are just consistently getting hurt. On average, he targets his tight ends 105 times per season over the last five years. So not crazy, but he does utilize the tight ends. As for DK Metcalf, though, um, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm, I'm one of the biggest DK Metcalf's hater, haters out there. I mean, even prior to this trade, um, you know, I wrote an article last year that I got a lot of smoke for saying, hey, DK Metcalf isn't the wide receiver one you want to be. He's a boomer bust wide receiver, too. And wouldn't you know it, you look back at his 2021 season and he was a boomer bust wide receiver, too. And that's kind of still where I've got him. And, and I don't fault people for having DK Metcalf up in, you know, the top 5, 10 of their dynasty rankings because his physical attributes are off the chart. But I just haven't seen much development from him. He's still a one-trick pony that likes to run deep balls and likes to run slants and just doesn't have that developed route tree. So I've always kind of been off DK Metcalf. Um, I mean, if his value got unbelievably suppressed where he was going for a wide receiver two price tag, you know, I might acquire some, but I don't think that anybody's going to be that reactionary to the news. So I'm still out on DK Metcalf. Yeah, I, I sold my last share in the offseason. I got Devonta Smith in a 23 first, and I'm perfectly fine with that, you know, and that's, I take that's that all day. we talk about that all the time. Insulated trades where you get into that offseason and you start to, to pick that next guy out, you know, pick a guy like DK Metcalf, like you said a lot of people overvalue him. Devonta Smith, I feel like, is going to be really on the rise this year. And you get that insulated trade. You get two-for-ones kind of thing. The crazy thing now is then we look at the tight ends. I mean, we talked about Fant. We talked about Albert O. But Mike Gusecki, who Mung is absolutely huge on, I'm going to let you talk first. And then Schultz and Njoku both get tagged today. So, I mean, tight ends are getting paid. We were all excited. Is Gusecki going to go to the Chargers? You know, where's Schultz going to go? Is Njoku finally going to get, you know, out of Cleveland? The answer to all of them is no. They're all staying put. But, Mung, for you, I mean, Mike Gusecki is a guy who we are just way too low on. Yeah, I mean, when you look at just the athletic ability, um, 
great, excellent hands. We've seen him snag those one-handed catches on the sidelines, um, has the speed to create yards after the catch. And, and really the only thing missing was one, uh, you know, touchdowns because the Dolphins just weren't very good offensively. And then two, he just wasn't seeing a huge amount of targets. And we know that those two things matter so much for tight end production in fantasy. Um, and I'm incredibly bullish on Gesicki with Mike McDaniel in town because I, I think I actually responded to a tweet of yours earlier today, Dave, where I, I don't know that there's going to be an exact usage of Gesicki in that Kittle role or in a Debo role or in an Ayuk role. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because I trust Mike McDaniel to get his playmakers into space. And that's why I'm so incredibly high on both Waddle and Gesicki heading into 2022. Well, it's nice because Gesicki lines up in the slot, lines up in the backfield. I mean, he's almost a guy who, yeah, he got tagged as a, as a tight end, but for all intensive purposes, he was a wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like Mike Gesicki only lined up on the line 140 times last year. So he's a guy that's – they. If they can ever totally utilize him, I mean, he's he's kind of like what you said, Metcalf's had up and downs. I mean, Gusecki is an absolute specimen, you know, and if they get him the ball in the right space, spaces, big things are going to happen. The guy I'm interested in is Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz coming off, you know, tight end three this past year. He looked great at times. Amari Cooper, you know, they're talking about potentially cutting Amari Cooper. Dave, where do you have Dalton Schultz in your, your redraft rankings right now? I mean, he's someone that... Are we seeing something? Was it a mirage last year, or is this guy really on the on the rise that we should be paying attention? You know, I've got him as a low-end tight end one, but uh, he was pretty heavily inflated with touchdowns last year. He's not a guy that I'm completely sold on. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't really have a strong take on Dalton Schultz, if I'm being completely honest. You know, when I watch his tape, there's nothing that really excites me all that much. I mean, he's, he's a decent player. I think the opportunity could be there if Amari Cooper walks. Uh, but I'm probably a little bit lower on than him uh, than the consensus right now. Nothing drastic, though. I just checked, and I've got him as my 10 and 11 going into next year. Yeah, I, think that, the, I think that fair. him staying in Dallas is actually the best thing for his fantasy value. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Dave, and then the last you, one. Would you say it's fair that there's kind of a big tier of tight ends after that, you know, elite three or four where I, I haven't done my redraft rankings in March at all, but currently, you know, my gut feel is, you know, guys like Knox, Schultz, Goddard, uh, you know, these are all sort of touchdown dependent guys. And I, mm -hmm. I would say I'm probably waiting right now if I were drafting redraft today of whoever goes latest, you know, of that bunch in rounds eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, between tight end six and tight end 18, I don't know if there really is that much of a difference. You're really splitting hairs. Those guys aren't getting the elite target share that you want, so you're hoping that they're just going to stumble in for a touchdown. Um, I, I know that we're talking a little bit about best ball, but that, that's been one of my favorite things. If I miss out on the top five, which the top five that I've got this year, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. If I don't get those top five, I'll pretty much wait until the last three rounds and just grab three tight ends and just hope that out of those three tight ends, one of them can stumble into the touchdown or into the end zone on any given week. And well, and, and dad, like, uh, you know, I, in, in our league, uh, uh, what fan, you took him in like the eighth and then I was able to wait till like the 14th or 15th and grab Irv Smith. Like there's not that big a gap between those two. Yeah, and I mean, Dave, that's a was like that, I agree with that. That's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about, right? We're going to talk about best ball drafts on underdog, and, and one of the one of the ADP choices we were going to come up with, and this is kind of foreshadowing, but we can do this now, is that tight end six, seven, eight, right? We talked about, and I totally agree with you. There's those big five, and then there's several rounds in between there where you got tight end six, seven, and eight. If you guys had to choose now between T.J. Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, and Dawson Knox, that's underdogs tight end six seven eight who's that guy you're taking when I mean, we're all kind of believing that we we wait you know like if you're not getting one of those top five i want to be the last guy on the board to get my tight end you know i want to be that guy to get the tight end 11 12 area but who are you guys taking out of hawkinson goddard and knox we'll start with you dave and then go to ian and then monk uh, after being like the biggest TJ Hawkinson hater in all of fantasy Twitter last year, if you'll give me those three, I'm probably going to lean towards Hawkinson and uh, j just because of the target share alone. And and I kind of cracked a joke last offseason. I, I don't think that TJ Hawkinson has anywhere near the elite ceiling that you're getting with the other tier of guys, you know, the Pitts-Kelsey tier. And that's just 
a basic athleticism thing. I, I just don't think that TJ Hawkinson has that yak ability that we see with some of the other guys, but the target share is going to be there. I mean, this offense flows through DeAndre Swift, and then TJ Hawkinson is going to be the second option there. Um, not a sexy guy by any means, but if you're getting you know, pretty much guaranteed seven targets a game. I think you got to chase that opportunity where I don't really know what to expect with Goddard. That's such a low volume offense that mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to consistently get that target share. I actually like Goddard more if Gardner Minshew somehow becomes the starter, but we don't have to get into all that. And then Dawson We, we saw that, right? We saw it for one week we and did. it was six we for did. 105 and two touchdowns. And like, I literally was telling everybody for best ball that week, everybody that was doing DFS, I'm like, it's, Go put in Dallas Goddard. It's got to be cheap because I was like, the talent is there. It's just watching watching Jalen Hurts operate. You know, the tight end wasn't a big thing. I mean, he did target him quite a bit in week 17. But, yeah, Goddard, if we get Minshew in there or, you know, if there's a trade for Watson, Goddard definitely moves up my boards. The, the one last thing I want to say is I'm just – I'm completely out on Knox at his current ADP. I mean, he had a good season. He made some great plays. But it, it just it feels oddly reminiscent of – uh Robert Tunyon two years ago an explosive offense a guy that was just really touchdown dependent and uh you know he just isn't really demanding those targets there's so many mouths to feed in Buffalo that he could just as easily finish outside the top 30 as he could inside the top three next year so I'm I'm out on Knox at that ADP yeah there's rumors of Gronk you know the Buffalo potentially you know reuniting putting him back in his hometown and then there's also like in Dynasty right now a lot of people that have Knox are trying to get first round value for him and I I just can't I just can't get behind that right now uh Ian we said you were going to go with you next Hawk Goddard or Knox who you taking I'm also on the the Hawk train there um I think he is the highest likelihood to give you somewhat consistency throughout the season too um with maybe a, a few games that are above average as well and I think you also look at the Detroit Lions as a team that may be drafting one of those rookie QBs who could be then dependent on a tight end. Um, they have picks two and 32, and I think one of those probably will be a quarterback. Um, I'd be surprised if one of them isn't. Um, so I think that they may end up sooner rather than later going with that rookie QB over Goff. Um, and then that QB is going to be uh, dependent on Swift and Hawkinson, which will just make their value even more so redraft even more so i'm looking at hawkinson than than in dynasty but i still like dynasty as that that tight end six um no, and i'm on the same it... tra- what no no i was I'm, I'm transitioning there <laughs> no, no i was go ahead i'm still and i'm on the same train with knox like he's gonna he's someone that and and i think in half the mock drafts i've seen the the bills take a wide receiver in round one too so i think that his his value is all over the place, but I'm, I'm kind of off that train. I see him more as a, a, a tight end two, to be honest, maybe a high end tight end two. Um, but that's kind of where I see him. Totally agree. Mung, are you going to, you going to make it a trifecta? Yeah. I mean, I think they've covered Hawkinson pretty well. I will say that's my choice of the three. And then I would actually take Gesicki over the other two. So there you go. There you go. Same. Same. I, so- I agree with that actually fully. Looking at the running backs, now this is something where I want to look at, you know, the ADP on underdog, you know, what we're looking at for best ball, and then and then twist it into Dynasty. So you look at the guys out there, I mean, obviously Jonathan Taylor, both in Dynasty and in redraft and in best ball, he's that RB1. There's no debate unless, you look, unless you're like PFF and you put Najee Harris up there. Jeez, that bothered me. I don't know why so much. But anyways, you're looking at McCaffrey at RB2, you know, Coming off the injury, can can we trust where he's at? Derrick Henry coming off the injury, being a you know twenty eight years old now as RB three, and then the other guy I want to look at is is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara at RB nine, you know, could be a value. Dave, talk to me a little bit about those three guys and and how you're handling you know running back position at the early part of the draft. Man, if I was off Derrick Henry last year, there's no chance that I'm drafting him this year. And I don't know if Mung has changed his stance, but I know Mung and I both had Derrick Henry. Uh, I I think ranked exactly the same as tight end 10 last season. And it's just, you know, we we saw that he does have the the pass catching upside that I think we were concerned about. But now 29 years old, just coming off the usage that he has had, um, I just really get worried that he is going to break down. Uh, I did get him the other day at ninth overall in a best ball draft, and I was pretty happy there. If he'll fall to me at the back end of round one, I'll take him here and there just to have some exposure, but he's not somebody that I'm actively going out and targeting. Like you said, though, Alvin Kamara at RB9 right now, that's just such a crazy value, and I think that some of that has to do with, uh, well, I'd say almost all of that has to do with 
the allegations in Las Vegas. And I don't want to get into the morality behind the NFL and their rulings and their inconsistencies and all that. But at the end of the day, the NFL seems pretty keen to just turn a blind eye when it comes to situations like this. So I think people are overreacting. Um, I, I'd be surprised if Alvin Kamara wasn't starting week one for the Saints. Yeah, and in the startup I just did, I mean, I, I had Jonathan Taylor as my in my first round pick. McCaffrey fell to me at 212. Kamara fell to me at 609, which is like you're looking at a guy. I know, you know, Mung, we've talked about Kamara's been a guy that you've been selling, but I, I felt like at 609 in that range, we're looking at like 108 or Alvin Kamara in a startup. And I was like, I was built for win now. I mean, Alvin Kamara, if we knew today that he was going to play a full season or he was going to have maybe one, two games, which is kind of where I feel it falls. You almost have to bet that it's wheels up again for an RB1 season. Ian, we'll start with you and then go over to Monk. What else do the Saints have? Like, they're (laughs) going to have to give him the ball like 70% of the time. Like, if he plays, he's he's arguably a top four running back in the season. Like, he's going to get the ball so much. And he's not someone, when you stack the box, Kamara can get out of that. Like, it's not like sacking the box is going to help. It may help on a play or two. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I have him fairly ranked fairly evenly with Dallin Cook. I think that they're kind of in the same boat there. Um, And and so right around that, you know, at least for this season, they're like RB4, RB5. I think the interesting thing for me is, most people at this time of season, I think you guys will agree, we start to tell ourselves narratives, right? We start to believe in certain narratives because a lot of it, things are going to change. We look at Alvin Kamari finished RB9, you know, and this particular season, we're talking about the worst quarterback play he's ever been around, you know, so he had 47 receptions in te- instead of his typical, you know, 80 range. And we have a guy that, like, he still finished a top 10 running back with that kind of situation, with everybody keying to stop him. And he was still able to do that, you know. And I think this year, everyone says, well, what's the RB, what's the quarterback situation going to be? I mean, even if they get a guy who is semi-capable, even if they get a Jimmy Garoppolo, they get a guy that, that can dump off and run an offense, I feel like we're, we're looking at, we just saw the absolute floor of Alvin Kamara with four rushing touchdowns and 47 receptions. Yeah, Absolutely. I feel like there's, there's four guys that I have in one tier together, and I feel like their floors and ceilings are nearly identical, and that's Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift. I mean, those guys are all just pass catching machines that are going to get insane usage rates. I feel like you're splitting hairs, hairs between those four, but I feel like all of them just have such similar floors and ceilings, so I, I, I'd be happy with any of those four guys. Pretty much whichever one of those four guys drops to me, I'm more than happy to take. What do you think of McCaffrey this year? This is another guy that's just totally, you know, you have to look at when he's been on the field for the last, you know, last year and a half, it hasn't been as much, but it's 35 points per game when when Christian McCaffrey is on there. I mean, the last time we saw a full healthy season, he was an RB1 and a wide receiver one, all wrapped into the same player. I have a lot of people that are messaging me and they ask me, what should I do with McCaffrey? I'm like, I'm holding right now. And they're like, you know what? I'm out on Christian McCaffrey. He's burnt me last year. He burnt me the year before. He wasn't there. I mean, the best of it, the best ability is availability. What do you say to those guys, Mung, that are saying, I'm out on Christian McCaffrey? Are you out on Christian McCaffrey? Or is it just, you know, we got to wait and see here? Yeah, I'm, I'm out on McCaffrey if you're taking him at 101, but he's easily the 102. <laughs> I mean, I don't Yeah. I, I don't know who you can have as a higher floor or ceiling um, in fantasy other than McCaffrey when he's healthy, right? And, and the injuries that we've seen from him, th- this isn't like a recurring hamstring issue or stuff like that. These are kind of freak injuries. Um, I feel similarly about Saquon Barkley. I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point. But, uh, you know, McCaffrey is just an absolute stud when he's on the field. And we've seen people fade Joe Mixon uh, this past season Mm -hmm. because he had gotten nicked up for a couple years in a row. Um, But the talent's there. uh, You know, I I just I don't see any reason he would drop past the second overall pick in redraft formats. I like it. Another running back situation. So we talked about those top guys. Dave, I want you to start out here. A.J. Dillon is the buzz. I know you, you played in a dynasty league, right, with A.J. Dillon this past and year. He, is that correct? He, he beat all of us. This is a no league. Way. It was, 
I was in it with Scott Fish, Ryan McDowell, Evan Silva, Adam Levitin, Ian Harditz, like sharp analysts. And AJ Dillon had never played fantasy football in his life, and he came first place in this league. And and I got to tell you, I mean, the, the dude was committed. There was one day, an hour before kickoff, I got a trade request from AJ Dillon. Like he went out and did his warm ups, <laughs> went into the locker room, and sent me a trade request, and then went out on the field less than an hour later. That's the man amazing. Was committed, and he won with one of the most. You know, ridiculous, just Frankenstein rosters I had seen. At the end of the season, he started Amandra St. Brown, um, Rashad Penny, Deonta Foreman. I mean, he just picked up all of the guys that boomed at the end of the year, snuck in as a six seed, and won the entire league. I, it was it was incredible to see. I when, think when you're in a part, league with him, do you have to, like, let him draft himself? Uh, Cooter Doodle <laughs> actually sniped him. And then all season long was trying to trade him to him. <laughs> You can buy yourself in Dynasty. I love it. I think my favorite part of that entire draft, Dave, was LeVar Ball doing the announcing, right? Like, he, yeah. he announced the league by a cameo. And when he yeah. announced, when he read the name Cooter Doodle off and just started laughing, I was like, <laughs> yo, that's right. Big baller brand in the house. You know, that was awesome. Um, so let's talk A.J. Dillon versus Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones is a supremely talented running back who now is in the situation. He's in the fold potentially for the next two years now that they restructured the deal there in Green Bay. Talk to me a little bit about these two running backs. And people are are starting to really get out on Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a talented, talented running back that if dealt, I think is is RB1. But both these guys now, are they going to start eating into each other? Is it going to be more Dylan, more Jones? How do you see it breaking down this year? Well, I do think that, you know, the best case scenario just happened for Aaron Jones, which is the Packers decided to run it back, bringing back Aaron Rodgers, franchise tagging Devontae Adams. I mean, that's that, that's what you wanted if you are rostering Aaron Jones. It doesn't get better for him than that. But still, even with that perfect scenario, when it comes to dynasty formats, I just have A.J. Dillon ahead of Aaron Jones. I mean, the, the age is obviously a huge factor there. He's three years younger. But I think that A.J. Dillon has the makings to be one of the premier backs in the league. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that I think that he has potential to be the overall RB1 within the next couple of years. I think that he is that good. We knew coming out of college that he was just a bruiser. And I think that's what people expected for him is that he was just going to be a short yardage, goal line type guy. And then we saw in in two games now that Aaron Jones has missed where he stepped up as a three down back and looked Mm -hmm. proficient in that role as a pass catcher, as a blocker, running inside, running outside, doing a little bit of everything. But a huge reason that I'm so bullish on him right now is one, uh, the Packers can cut Aaron Jones after this season and save almost $20 million. So I I don't think that Aaron Jones is going to be in the Packers long-term plans because of how good AJ Dillon has played. But two, There was a changing of the guard last year after Aaron Jones got hurt, and I don't know if people fully adapted to that yet. Uh, Aaron Jones was out-touching A.J. Dillon in the red zone 3-1 to prior to the injury, and then after the injury, all of that goal line work became A.J. Dillon's. A.J. Dillon's targets per game also went up, almost one full target per game. His snap counts went up. I mean, he was just... Uh, a more efficient runner, a more efficient pass catcher. He was doing just about everything. And and Aaron Jones is still going to have that huge ceiling week to week because he can take a ball from anywhere and score on it. You know, an 80-yard touchdown is always on the table when you're Aaron Jones. But I think A.J. Dillon is going to out-touch him this year, and he's going to get those premium touches inside the red zone while also being involved in the passing game. So I'm just all in on A.J. Dillon right now. I think I've got him in over 50% of my dynasty leagues, and I'm trying to acquire him everywhere I possibly can. I mean, he was a bruiser coming out of college, right? 300 carries, zero receptions. But this year, he proved that he's a guy that can catch 30 balls. I mean, he is a they, – they were using him on third downs. He's good on pass protection. And I'm looking at underdogs ADP right now, and Aaron Jones is going 405. A.J. Dillon's going 711, which just screams value in, in comparison with the two. Uh, Monk, in Dynasty, Aaron Jones is a guy that I get questions – all the time. And my answer is, if you get a 23 first, you sell him. You know, Aaron Jones is a guy to move. But I keep getting questions like, would you trade him for the 202 this year? You know, would you move him for this? And I keep saying, if you don't get a first for Aaron Jones, hold on. Because I think Aaron Jones, like like Dave alluded to, I mean, he could get cut next year. There, There's possible scenario there where he goes somewhere else. And he is a very talented running back. What have you been telling people that are coming to you with Aaron Jones trade inquiries? Yeah, and I... I... I slightly disagree with Dave in that I do think if both stay healthy, Jones is still going to edge out Dylan in touches. Uh, I, I would project kind of like a 60-40 type split in that backfield. Um, so Dynasty, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not selling Aaron Jones for less than a first. Plus, he's a super talented back. And as you said, even if Green Bay does move on from him, 
after 2022. I do think he'll land uh, a starting gig somewhere. Um, but I will say in terms of the underdog ADP and in redraft for 2022 only, I, I think it's pretty crazy that the gap is that big between them. Um, it kind of reminds me of what I was saying about J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards heading into last season, where mm-hmm. I would much rather take a shot on Dylan in round eight or late round seven uh, than I would in Aaron Jones in, in round three or four. Ian, do you want to break the tie there? You want to talk a little uh, bit about those two? So I, I also think that A.J. Dillon is going to eventually, even this season, out-touch uh, Aaron Jones. But I, I'm going to put out uh, something neither of them have said. In training camp before his injury, the Packers were crazy high on Kylan Hill. And they really like him. Um, so if if Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon goes down, watch for a, a decent-sized role for Kylan Hill, too. Um, and I definitely think after this season, Aaron Jones is gone. Like, I don't think that's a question. Like, especially with the contracts that they just threw out there. Um, they're, I don't know what they're doing as far as their long-term plans, because I don't think they're thinking about long-term plans right now in Green Bay. Yeah, um, they're they're, they're pulling like a, a Saints. They're pulling a, a Saints right now is what it feels like. Hill's a, Hill's a guy you get thrown in on a deal. You know, if that's a guy that you're high on, you definitely, we talked about that on our stash show. Um but- can I, can I say one more thing about A.J. Dillon? Can Absolutely. I just look this up? I just wanted to see how he and, – and I know, you know, keep trade cut is not a, a, a perfect resource by any means. But I'm looking right now. Over the last year, A.J. Dillon's value has dropped from RB21 to RB22. I don't understand how he could have the season that he had last year and see and a value drop over the last year. Yeah, it's just for, for whatever reason, the Dynasty community isn't getting behind A.J. Dillon. And, and he's a guy in the eighth, ninth round of every startup. I just – I can't get enough of him there. And I'm looking at some of the guys that are right ahead of him. I mean, it's it, Elijah Mitchell's right ahead of him. And that's a guy that there's definitely an uncertainty there as well, you know? So it's like the season that A.J. Dillon had, I definitely think he's in that area. Um, <clears throat> one more set of running backs to talk about. Let's talk about the three running backs coming off of injuries, right? <clears throat> in years past, we've had, there's been an injury where a guy has an injury and all of a sudden there's a little bit of a discount. Not so much more for any more for Cam Akers for J.K. Dobbins and for Travis Etienne. I mean, all three of those guys are hot. They're guys, especially Dobbins. I mean, Dobbins' value is insane right now. It's it's almost more than what it was before he got injured. So, Dave, I mean, I know one out of these three guys definitely jumps out to you as a guy that is a value that you should be picking up. Well, yeah, you know, I, I really like Etienne and Dobbins. And if I had to rank these guys one, two, three, I'd give the slight edge to Dobbins just because we see it often that college production doesn't transfer (coughs) to NFL production. And J.K. Dobbins has already proven that he is ready for NFL speed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not too concerned about the injury. I expect him to come back from that. So Dobbins is the guy that I prefer out of these three. But when you're looking at ceiling, I think Travis Etienne has the highest ceiling of them all. Just because of the connection that he's got with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, we know that he's going to be a pass catching machine. So I, I love Travis Etienne where he's currently getting drafted in the fifth, sixth round. But it would be insane to ignore the risk in Travis Etienne as well. I mean, it seems like it's pretty much a coin flip for how people come back from this list break fracture. You've got Julio Jones who came back and had five straight seasons with 1300 yards. And then you've got other guys that have never played another down of football again. So with him getting injured in the preseason and then us just getting reports about two weeks ago that he's resuming light running and weightlifting, I've got to say I'm a little, little bit concerned just because that seems like a very, very long recovery time. Um, But I think that if Etienne is able to shake this injury and come back 100%, he's got a higher ceiling than all three of those guys. So I'm ranking them Dobbins, Etienne, and Akers. When when Akers first came back, right, we were super excited. It it, it was – too, I mean, not too soon, but it was like way ahead of the timetable, right? And then people saw some flashes here and there. Not very productive across the span of the, of the playoffs, right? What are what you what do you advise to people that are interested in buying Cam Akers? Because I see some people are like, I mean, in our draft, he went way above Etn. He went above almost two rounds earlier than Etn, and I I was shocked because Cam Akers. There are those Cam Akers truthers out there. Should we be patient and expect more of what we saw, you know, playoffs two years ago? Or is that, I mean, that Achilles injury is something that's really tough to come back with and be explosive. And I didn't quite see that explosiveness. 
Yeah, I, I was kind of off Acres prior to the injury, just because I think that Sean McVay, you know, as much as we want to see Acres get 30 plus touches a game like he did that one week as a rookie, it's just not going to happen. I mean, he goes with the hot hand approach. Sean McVay goes with the hot hand approach. Mm-hmm. So we're, I, I think that we're going to see some spurts where Acres does really well. But if he's not running well, you got to watch out for, you know, Malcolm Brown was out touching him as a rookie. And then Daryl Henderson had games out touching him as a rookie. So I think there's just so much uncertainty with how Sean McVay handles his backfield that there's a lot of risk there and then you already talked about it I mean he he looked just there's no way around it he looked awful in the playoffs and you got to hope that after a full offseason time to recover he can come back a little bit better but between that injury and between Sean McVay I'm, I'm kind of out on acres I was able to flip him as soon as that video came back of him jogging and, you know, warming up. I flipped him for a 105 and the the one share that I had, and, and I haven't looked back. I like that. Now, I flipped my last one this week. I traded the 102 and Acres for DeAndre Swift in the 110, and I'm just – I feel great about Love it me. because DeAndre Swift is, is one of my absolute favorite player players in Dynasty. So, Dave – uh, I feel like you and I see eye to eye on so many things, and that's why it's fun to get into discussions with you. Um, and this is a case where I have it exactly opposite to you. Yes. Um, I would rank them Acres, then Dobbins, then ETN. And uh, we'll start with Acres because I think people, I was all aboard the sell Acres for a first train, right? Last, you were leading that. <laughs> last season. And I even said to sell high on him when that news came out, like you did, right? But at the same time, just a couple months, you know, of recovery, he broke some big runs. Uh, a couple of them were called back by penalty, so that wasn't on the box score. And then, really, after Andrew Whitworth hurt his ankle in the wild card round against Arizona, their offensive line just kind of crumbled. Right, none of mm-hmm. the running backs could really get any traction. They were getting constantly hit behind the line of scrimmage. So. I do think that seeing Acres at like 70% recovered already busting some big runs. Um, I have high hopes for him heading into 2022. Um, Dobbins, I think that he's probably the best pure runner of those guys. And just because we've seen Baltimore be so run heavy when their defense is healthy, that I think they return to that. So he's going to see probably potentially the most touches of those three. And then ETN really scares me because, like you said, with the injury, we just don't know um, if he's going to be even fully recovered for 2022. And also, we've just seen that Doug Peterson uses committees. I mean, even with Miles Sanders, I think Miles Sanders is a great running back, but I've always been lower on him than consensus because we saw that even after they drafted him in, I think, what, the second round, um, they continued to plod Jordan Howard out there at the goal line. And I really think that they're going to be a player for running back in free agency. And then you've got James Robinson coming back at some point, probably not the start of the season. And it's just a messy situation that I am not sold on ETN. Ian, break the tie here. Ian, break the tie here. Come on. I'm definitely closer to to Dave. I think as far as value goes, I think Dobbins is the only one that has a value that's accurate right now. Um, I think the value on acres is way too high. And I think the the value uh, on ETN is way too low. Um, I think that, you know, uh, ETN going in the eighth is, is crazy to me. Um, but acres going, I think in our smash three, I think acres went like two picks after Dobbins. And that's also crazy to me. <laughs> um, so I, I think Dobbins is the only one that's because uh, more than the other two Dobbins is the one that has, the least amount of question marks right now too. I think more than anything, whether you're on the, whether you're with Mung here and on the acres train, whether you're with Dave here and you're on the ETN train, like Dobbins has the least amount of question marks. They both have question marks like that are off the chain right now for me. So I'm actually overall kind of staying away from most of them. Uh, someone usually tends to, to snipe me on ETN, right? When I'm like, Oh, he's got value now. Oh, damn it. Right. Right before I pick. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, so Dobbins is the one I own the most of. Um, but I just, I, I just think you, you got to be careful with the other two a lot more than you got to be careful with Dobbins. One, one thing I'll say though, is the knock on Dobbins has always been that he's not going to catch passes. 
And can we think that maybe he will start to catch some passes? Because Devonta Freeman really got going in the passing game last year. Uh, Mung already said it, and I agree with him 100%. If you're talking just pure talent, best pure runner, it is Dobbins by a landslide out of this group. And so many people were afraid to draft him because, you know, you always want to get the running back that has pass catching upside. But there might be some sneaky pass catching upside. Nothing insane, but, you know, Dobbins could end up seeing three to four targets per game next year with uh, even with Lamar Jackson. So I, 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 what I've heard from most people when they're, they're knock on Dobbins is that Lamar Jackson's going to be their lead runner. No, he's not. If, if Dobbins is fully healthy, no, he's not. Right. <laughs> no, but Dobbins coming out of college was a guy that had 30 receptions at Ohio State. I mean, so he definitely has the pass-catching ability, and, and it's definitely there. I want to move into our, our last segment here, you know, and I love the, the debate in here. It's going to go even further because we're going to do an ADP pick one. So I'm going to take three guys with similar ADP going the same area. You know, we'll start out with the first one is interesting because we talked about it. And if your answer is Dobbins, we've kind of gone over him, you know, ad nauseum there, but we're looking at running backs 15, 16, and 17, Aaron Jones, JK Dobbins, David Montgomery. Since we usually go this way, we're going to go the opposite way. Ian, pick one. I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to go Monty. I like it. Mung. Yeah, I, I think it's Montgomery here. I mean, I, I don't expect Tariq Cohen to do much, and uh, I think the offense will be better overall in 2022. Dave, we gonna go? We gonna make it the whole way around? Yeah, give it the stamp of approval. Three Thank for three. You. I'm going Monty as well. Yes. You know what? I set that one up. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get into a debate here. Montgomery <laughs> versus Dobbins. I mean, Montgomery <laughs> to me is the one of the most, if not the most, underrated running back to have on your dynasty team. I mean, most people value him as a mid RB2 and the guy just puts up numbers. I mean, he goes out there, he's consistent. If we see an uptick in, in Je- Justin Fields and you know, evolution and we see, you know, a new quarterback using th- or a new coach using things properly, I think David Montgomery could be a back end RB1 this season and he's still just 25 years old. So, I like that one a lot. We're going to go wide receiver now. Now, this one's tough because these are some guys definitely, I know with you guys, it's really tugging on your heartstrings a little bit. But it's Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, or Terry McLaurin, wide receivers 15, 16, and 17. Mung, who are you taking? Uh, I think it's got to be Johnson. Um, I, I feel like I'm lower on consensus than him because I do think some of his target volume was due to checkdowns. But at the same time, you know, he's proven that he can handle those targets. So whoever the quarterback is, uh, I'm leaning Johnson here. I think this is a fun one because it's got to be pure talent because we don't know the quarterbacks of any of them, you know. And then that's that's the whoever gets the best quarterback gets the uptick here. But if you got to pick right now, Dave, and we're on uh, best ball, who's that guy for you? Man, I've been warming up to DJ more more and more lately. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm agreeing with Mung here. Deontay Johnson's my guy. Uh, I, I love him. I had him ranked as a wide receiver one last year. Got him ranked as a wide receiver one again yeah. this year. There's certainly the concerns that Big Ben being gone hurt his volume. But, yeah, I'm going Deontay. Ian, I don't even need to ask you. It's it's Deontay Johnson for you. Absolutely. And I can I just say, put this out here, I don't even think Terry McLaurin deserves to be in the same tier as the other two. No, I, like, I don't think so not either. Not even close. <laughs> but I'm just going by, by the current ADP. The wide receiver 18 would be... Calvin Ridley, we're not going to go with that. You know, that that would be that would be an interesting take. The wide receiver nineteen is Mike Evans. If we wanted to put him in that category, yeah, give me Mike Evans over, um, over Terry McLaurin. I checked my but, exposure today. I had one hundred. I've only done four drafts so far, but one hundred percent exposure on Calvin Ridley. It was just too hard to pass up on him at that ADP, and I have him in every league. So just. <laughs> I was pounding the drum for guys that had the uh, 111, 110, 111, 112, you know, and we could talk about him all day based off that decisions, but it's just unfortunate. Uh, I'm glad, Dave, that you mentioned DJ Moore because DJ Moore is a guy that's 24 years old that, you know, we have not yet seen him play with a competent quarterback, a quarterback that can go out there and do things, and he's been productive, but I'm also making it four for four. I'm going Deontay Johnson, but DJ Moore was getting close. You know, and I felt like if we get a good quarterback in there and the right quarterback in that situation, Moore has been putting up solid numbers. But Deontay Johnson's hard to hard to ignore what he's done. And right, on, ru- on Vikings Twitter right now, that's the popular take is that Kirk Cousins is going to Carolina. And it, honestly, if that if that happens, I I eat as bullish as I am as on Deontay Johnson. That skyrockets DJ Moore no, for me, and more. I think DJ Moore would definitely yep. take take him I over. I think so too. Uh, let's go with. Since you talked about a quarterback, and this one I'm throwing in here. This was not even on the show sheet because 
one of you guys might have a certain love affair with one of these guys. <laughs> so we're looking at QB 7, 8, and 9. It's Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, or the newly minted Aaron Rodgers. So we're going to start with you, Dave. You're, you're on the clock here. You're picking your QB 1. You know, the big five are gone. Is it Dak, Trey Lance, the up-and-comer, or is it Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I'm, I'm going Rodgers here. And I think in a couple of weeks that ADP is going to slowly creep back yes. up and he'll be sitting atop that group. I, I already know who Mung's picking. I'm, I'm ready to hear about Trey Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Mung, I, I'm, you, you've pounded the drum so hard for Trey Lance. He goes 111 in every draft. All the Smash Accept leagues, like I think they think you're in there. They're like, I got to move in and get Trey Lance. Got to move up. You know, it's going to go. I'll say is uh, Russell Wilson going to Denver was another domino that fell uh, towards the final piece of Trey Lance winning MVP. This year. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, honestly, just pure rushing. He was the only person like, thinking that way. He's like, this is Trey Lance time now. Russell Wilson got traded. That <laughs> about Denver, Seattle. It all comes down to San Francisco. No, but uh, uh, really, like, honestly, like so much of fantasy production is driven by rushing upside at this point that it is Lance for me, but I, I will throw out here too. It's kind of crazy to me that as of right now, Justin Fields is going at eight twelve, uh, which seems way, way later than, you know, the rest of these guys where I think he's a steal right now. Yeah. That's a QB 13, you know, and then you have the, but even in the beginning of the eighth round, you got Jalen hurts going as QB 10 and Jalen hurts with that rushing upside is a lock for a top 10 quarterback as well. So, I mean, if there's definitely some value team, here. What's that? Yeah, I mean, He's got Minshew breathing on the back of his neck, though. You gotta, Dude, gotta that be a must- concerned about that. With that mustache, he's he's always ready to go in there. He's out there making videos with him with samurai swords and his shirt off. Like we need more Gardner Minshews. I don't care if he starts for the Eagles. I don't care where he starts. Just go put him on a team. I want to see a Minshew mania out there. But Ian, who's your guy out of this group? You, you're, I thought you were going to ask me to split the difference, which I'm not going to do, and I'm going to take Dak. Um, because okay, so Aaron Rodgers. I, He's a sore subject for me. Um, <laughs> but I, I, Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic QB, don't get me wrong. But I think that there's, uh, we've, we've talked about it all day, there's no rushing upside there. Like, none. It's zero. He's not going to rush. Like, it's, it's not there at all. And hey, yes, he will get you those passing touchdowns. If but... he gets 40 touchdowns and four interceptions, I don't care if he doesn't get the rushing oh, yards. Oh, you know? abs- like, it's, it's there. And, and, and I get that. and But at the same time, I think, you know, his other wide receivers are going to be gone. Who else is he going to have? Like, Devontae Adams is going to be it. I, I like, And we've talked about this a lot, but I think that, you know, if Devontae Adams literally misses one game, I think that that game is done for Aaron Rodgers. Like, well, I, I don't think, I think Green Bay makes a move here. I mean, I think they go uh, out hopefully. and they... I, I, like, I, I kind of, like, my non-Viking side says hopefully, but they they say this every off season that they're going to get a wide receiver and the best they've done is Amari Rogers yeah. uh, so or Randall Cobb. Like, it, but like, I think Dak has that rushing upside, has that passing upside um, and, and kind of splits the difference there as well. Like he, he may not have the highest ceiling of those three guys, but he definitely, I feel like has the highest floor of those guys. I, just, I like it. Dak, I get Dak to break the top time. Three QB for me last year. And I mean, you should never let emotions get in the way of your analysis, but oh, you yeah. screwed me so hard on the back half of last season. Oh, and the I've down the stretch were just brutal. Like, so I, 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 I like I haven't healed in, in in dynasty. I have Dak so low compared to everybody else, but I think in redraft, I of those three, I would still take Dak. Time for um, me to break the tie. Totally, totally different. <laughs> it's always Rogers for me, man. It's always Rogers. I'm glad he's back. Uh, we've got two more here. So the, the next one's kind of fun. It's RB's 19, 20, and 21. It's ETN, Jacobs, or Elijah Mitchell. So I get to go first this time. And I'm actually going to take Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a guy that has finished, you know, in that back-end RB1 conversation. He might have the ceiling of ETN, but I think he's got a stable, stable safe situation where I'm kind of feeling him in that 12 to 14 range. I know Jacobs is a guy on Twitter that's just like, nope, nobody wants him. But the profile gets it done year in and year out. Dave, you taking ETN here? I am taking ETN. And, and, you know, prior to the Josh McDaniels signing, I probably would have taken Josh Jacobs. That was a guy that was all about Josh Jacobs. But you got to imagine, you know, this guy spent his entire career underneath Bill Belichick. And I think that he's Mm going to kind of mimic what he learned from Bill Belichick. And that is having very set roles for your running backs. I don't think that we're going to see Jacobs take on any sort of three-down role. 
My fear is that Jacobs is the early down and goal line back and that he never sees a single passing down, that they're going to bring in somebody who is going to be a passing down specialist, similar to James White, Brandon Bolden, whoever it may be in New England. So that's why I'm kind of out on Josh Jacobs. The talent's there, but but give me Etienne out of this bunch. And the, the, it was a little bit of a tease this year, right? Because this was like Jacobs' most prolific season as a pass catcher. And he was a guy coming out of college that was like, this guy can catch passes. This is a three down back. And he's just... It, they don't give it to him, you know, and they, I just get disappointed every year. Mung, Jacobs, Etienne, or, or your boy Mitchell? Yeah, I don't know if this is a cop-out, but, uh, you know, if, if you took like a McCaffrey If you start out that or, sentence, you know, like that's the <laughs> sentence where you're like, I don't mean to offend you, but, or like, not this trying to be racist, this way, but. but. <laughs> this, is, this is a cop-out. But if you like a Taylor or McCaffrey, I would say I would take the home run swing, swing with Mitchell. Uh, but if you want like wide receiver, wide receiver, you need some solid, reliable production. I'll go with Jacobs because, you know, like Dave said, it's very possible that McDaniel's um, just won't, you know, give him many receptions. But he hasn't had that many receptions outside of last season to begin with, and he was still producing with touchdowns. I do think that offense is going to be better than it was in 2021. Ian, before I ask you, RB22 is Brees Hall and RB23 is Michael Carter. If we added those to the list, who are you Brees taking? Hall. Brees Hall, if you add them all. If you had, if Brees you had Hall season is super excited. I'm really excited for Michael Carter. I think Michael oh, Carter Oh, absolutely. Is, you know how a, high I am in, on Michael Carter. He's another too. guy that gets a, a, in that situation. So we're, we're trading out of that possibly. Uh, the, <laughs> but, the last one. Just no, hold, hold on, you didn't give me with those three. You didn't give well, me I was with, giving, with the ETN, main three. Etienne, Jacobs, or Mitchell, who you got? So, so follow me on this trip here. You're on, trip? in the AFC South, right? You have arguably the three best now QBs in the AFC in the AFC South. What's preventing the, the Raiders from literally blowing it up? Like, I feel like they need the to. The Raiders? Yeah, like they, they, they have no, no chance in that division. They they're need to gonna prevent like, ownership there. There's no yeah, way that's just not they, how they, they play. Sh- they should, but I think Derek Carr is probably gone. Like I do. I think Derek Carr, I think that makes the most sense for them if if they're smart, which they might not be. Um, but I'm still taking Jacobs. I think Jacobs is the best of those three, and it, it gives you not only the best upside, but the best floor as well. I like it. The last one I almost put in there just because Dave, this this is your guy, and I almost feel like it's just Horrible territory, but we're looking at RB 25-26-7, Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, or A.J. Dillon, Dave? I mean, all three of these guys. These are like three of my, my favorite guys. I've been hyping up Damian Harris for, for three years straight. I've been hyping up Leonard Fournette for three years straight. A.J. Dillon's been my guy for the last couple Fournette of seasons. Fournette is just too cheap. Fournette, I was buying everywhere on all my contenders for second-round picks. He's still going for second-round picks. And it just it just feels like stealing. Just I had to get that in there real quick. The I, the fear with Fournette obviously is that he lands in a terrible spot and is splitting touches. You know, really getting a getting a specialized role. Out of these three, I'm leaning towards AJ Dillon, but I've talked about him enough on this show. Um, I, I just want to you know talk about what a great value Damian Harris is right now. Obviously, yes. he was touchdown dependent last year, but even being banged up in a lot of his games and missing some weeks. I mean, the guy just still got insane usage. Everybody's worried about Ramadre Stevenson, but do not be concerned. Ramadre Stevenson is still Damian Harris's backup. You can draft Damian Harris for an RB2 floor again in 2022. And you can go out and you could probably buy him for a second round pick right now, you know, and I feel like Damian Harris is someone that's definitely worth that, you know, and if you can get him for any seconds or seconds plus, go ahead and do that. Mung, who you got out of those three? I mean, it's Damian Harris. He's uh, super touchdown dependent, but at the same time, I mean, what are they going to do? Throw it to Nikhil Harry uh, near the end zone? I mean, it's really Hunter Henry and Damian Harris right now as the goal line threats. Um, so, yeah, give me Harris. All right, let's go, Ian. Take it home. I think at that point, you're you're taking a massive swing, and I think you might as well go for the home run, and I think that's Fournette. He's a lot younger than people think he is, too. Like, when you go and you look at his age, you're like, wait, Hasn't he been in the league like 10 years? No, he hasn't. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm going for net because I think, you know, as much as he could land in a really horrible spot, I think he could land in a really good spot too. I, I think like he's going to have, I think he's going to have his choice of where to land. Like he's going to have several offers. If, if he lands in Arizona, he's a top eight running back for me. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Like, or Miami too. Like I think like those two. Buffalo. He, yeah. Connor was the next guy on the list. And both of those guys, I mean, I think if they land in, like you said, in Buffalo or Arizona, jump up above on that. 
Dave, this was an awesome time. Like I, I love engaging with you. You're absolutely like one of my favorite people on Twitter just to, you know, keep things positive and try to get out good content. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you again and what you're working on right now? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge, that's K-L-U-G-E, and then you can find all of my written video, pretty much everything over at Football Guys, footballguys.com. Be sure to check that out. Yeah, Football Guys, like if you guys don't have a subscription to Football Guys, you should. I mean, Dave, you, you kind of turned me on to that, and it is awesome. Like the, the content that's over there, the minds that are over there, it's absolutely phenomenal stuff, so you guys should check that out. Mung, you know, why don't you tell everybody what you're working on and, and kind of close this out here, and then I'll kick it over to Ian. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. Uh, I always have my membership uh, to Football Guys via Rotopass when they have that, yep. uh, you know, everything grouped together. So love Football Guys. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And Ian, close it out yeah. for us, buddy. We're building up Football Guys so much here. I know, like, before I was super into to, uh, Dynasty and everything and, and Redraft and all that kind of stuff. I know my favorite part was going to football guys and getting that post draft grade. And I think I, I still feel like I do it. Like, even though like I'm a lot more knowledgeable, I still throw in my, in my roster and to get that post draft grade. Yeah. Like it, it, I don't know. That's my favorite part of football guys. It's, it's a, I still go there after every draft. Um, but you can find me at super skull fan on Twitter. Um, I, I do what I can to try to keep up. You'll probably see, especially starter free agency, probably too much Viking stuff. Um, for most people's liking, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll definitely get a lot of, of, of dynasty stuff on, on there too. Thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process. Boom.